Here's how the second tier of the plan began to unfold. As the seminary, as the year came to a close where I was to be done with the minor seminary and UTEP, I was called by the Vicar General, Monsignor Caffrey, the same priest who had been my first boss when I was in the fourth grade, and he paid me one dollar for watering maybe 30 trees in front of St. Genevieve's Catholic Church in Las Cruces. That call and that meeting gave me the surprise of my life. Actually, it was a two-part two surprise. The first part was that my term as a seminary prof had come to a close. For that, I was eternally and silently grateful. I successfully hid my internal glee at that news. Having completed 18 college hours of journalism courses, and with high marks, I might add, and had given me solid theory in, in the principles of journalism and the profession of journalism, and a taste of the skill needed to be a newspaper man. Barely a taste of the required skill, but at least I had a taste of the skill. Oddly enough, there was nothing said of my performance in the first tier of the pre preparatory plan, neither of my performance as a student at UTEP, nor of my performance at the minor seminary. The second part of the year popping surprise was that I was to go to Mexico City and immerse myself in Mexican culture and its language for an entire summer. And just as the preparations had been arranged for me with the journalism department before I entered UTEP, I was given a plan as to where specifically I was to go to serve as my headquarters for the desired immersion in Mexican culture and its language. When the Vicar General delivered this plan to me, he was dead serious in all business. I totally restrained my joy, and I simply nodded that I understood. Before I detail the plan, however, that was laid out before me, let me clue you in as to why the bishop and his advisors saw it necessary to equip me with the Mexico City experience prior to taking on the news, the reins rather, of the newspaper for the diocese. That diocesan weekly newspaper had been in existence under more than one editor under the name of the Catholic Register. There existed a national Catholic register which promulgated news about Catholic activity nationwide. Each United States diocese could distribute that national newspaper in a paper all of its own. In its own issue, it could also carry news, of course, lo local to the territory, all reported and composed by its own staff, including its own editor. The El Paso Catholic Register had for years published an English version and a Spanish version of the same news. Both reported the same news in two languages. This was in deference to the huge Hispanic population in our section of the southwestern United States. It happened that one particular issue of the Register came out reporting the death of one contemporary pope in Rome. The headline in English simply said, the Pope has died. The headline in the Spanish section erroneously and most unfortunately read, La Papa Murió. That unfortunate headline 
because used the wrong article for the English the. In Spanish, la as the article, the, modifies a feminine noun. El, el, as the same article, modifies a masculine noun. And the word papa in Spanish has two different meanings depending on which article modifies it. As el papa, it translates as the pope. As la papa, it translates as the potato. The Spanish version of that headline read, the potato has died, because in Spanish it said, la papa murió. That simple mistake caused all manner of embarrassment, consternation, and anger to the Catholic authorities, and anger to the Catholic authorities from the bishop on down. The fault was correctly laid at the foot of the editor. No account, no amount rather, of apologies could reverse the damage done or the damage perceived. That editor was not Hispanic. To prevent this type of colossal error in the future, it was immediately deemed imperative from then on that future editors to the El Paso Register better be alert and sensitive to nuance in the Spanish language. That, in abbreviated form, provided the background for the decision to send me to Mexico City to immerse myself in Mexican culture and its beautiful language. The Vicar General gave me the name of the Institute, which taught Spanish classes from the most basic to advanced classes and was there for foreigners. It also taught culture courses, culture classes of Mexico. The name was, and still may be, I don't know if it still exists, El Instituto Mexicano Norteamericano de Relaciones Culturales, translated as the Mexican slash North American Institute of cultural relations. He gave me the address and the plan to be there for the whole summer and to enroll in as, as many classes as possible, five days a week. That was the sum total of the plan. Further logistics, he explained, would be outlined for me by the chancellor whom I was scheduled to see next. From then on, it was immediately deemed imperative that from then on, the future editors to the El Paso Register better be alert and sensitive to nuance in the Spanish language. That, in abbreviated form, provided the background for the decision to send me to Mexico City to immerse myself in Mexican culture and its beautiful language. The Vicar General gave me the name of the Institute, which taught Spanish classes, from the most basic to the advanced, and they were there for foreigners. It was also teaching culture classes of Mexico. The name was El Instituto Mexicano Norteamericano de Relaciones Culturales, translated as the Mexican slash North American Institute of Cultural Relations. He gave me the address and the plan to be there for the whole summer and to enroll in as many classes as possible, five days a week. Further logistics, he explained, would be outlined for me by the chancellor whom I was scheduled to see next. The Vicar General specified that this aspect of the plan had nothing to do with journalism as such, 
and everything to do with meticulous sensitivity and cultural awareness of the Hispanic population of the United States or of the Southwest specifically. When I talked to the chancellor or for, for further logistics, he totally took me aback by saying that no, I was not being assigned to stay at any particular parish to help out with weekend services. I had anticipated that I would be so assigned. Instead, the chancellor informed me that I could stay wherever I chose and that I would be covered in expenses to pay for room and board. He explained how I would be set up with a letter of credit between an El Paso bank <clears throat> and a chosen Mexican bank in the capital. That would enable me to cash checks from an account already set up for me at the El Paso bank for necessary expenses while I lived there the entire summer. I was expected to take my own car and would be cashing checks to cover all car expenses as well as lodging expenses. This clearly meant that I was totally on my own to put together the details of the logistics concerning my residence there. I had to hide the floored reaction I was experiencing upon hearing all of this. I could not believe that I had the opportunity to go from my monastic background to living on my own for a whole summer in the world capital, Mexico City, in the Distrito Federal, with no superior to report to while there. I was then to return at the end of the summer, prepared to, the to take the editorship of the El Paso Diocesan Register. Nothing was in the plan to get on-the-job skills development at the local El Paso newspaper office. By necessity, I needed to be focusing on what to do next to prepare myself <clears throat> myself to make the trip to Mexico City. One ace in my pocket for all of this newness being thrust upon me was that I had grown up in the southwestern United States as a bilingual, bicultural individual. From birth to age 31, I had lived in Las Cruces, New Mexico, El Paso, Texas, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Denver, Colorado, all centers of bilingualism and biculturalism. The Spanish I spoke was not the Castilian of Mexico or Spain. I spoke the Spanish peculiar to the Southwest, New Mexico, Texas, and Colorado. I was to immerse myself in what and how Mexico expresses itself linguistically and professionally. Another ace in my pocket, which I had established on my own, consisted in the numerous friends whom I had cultivated in Juarez, Mexico, the sister city of El Paso, across the border, which had been my home by then for 16 years. These aces, as I called them, gave me the decided advantage in knowing firsthand from my own experience the difference between the Spanish I was brought up with and what is spoken in Mexico and regarded as Spanish of professionals. There existed also a cast of El Paso residents who spoke the Spanish of Mexico and not of the Southwest United States. They were bilingual and bicultural, but more acculturated with Mexico and its culture and its language than the generality of people born in the Southwest. These two groups of friends were from all walks of life, which gave me a clear idea of what skills I needed to practice in order to be sensitive to nuance 
in the Spanish language. I say all of this to emphasize that amidst the newness which this dip into secular society entailed, there were also some distinct advantages to capitalize on for me to be able to make the changes expected of me by the bishop and by his advisors. The learning expected of me was to be done in the secular world. With all of this newness, I felt surprisingly optimistic that I could make it work instinctively. I reverted to the journey of a thousand miles, begins with one step at a time. I had no idea where that wisdom came from. Perhaps 40 years later, I heard that the source was none other than the Tao Te Ching. I had had a hurdy, hurried goodbye from St. Joseph's experience when I was suddenly pulled from that to do the UTEP and minor seminary assignments. When I left those experiences, my goodbye from them was even more hurried and abrupt. All of a sudden, I left for Mexico City in the beginning of the summer of 1965 and did so in my red and white 1955 Oldsmobile. 